now reached the third of my Holy Trinity of favorite books. Namely, she said, Breaking the Sexual Harassment Story That Helped Ignite a Movement, written by New York Times journalists Jody Cantor and Megan Tsuhi. The memoir is, in a strange way, a spiritual cousin of Catch and Kill, Lies, Spies, and a Conspiracy to Protect Predators, by Ronan Farrow, because it covers the major news stories that broke the stories of women's experiences of abuse at the hands of Hollywood mogul Harvey Weinstein. In the Catch and Kill miniseries, we covered the stories of women, ranging from staff members employed in Weinstein's film company to famous actresses who experienced some form of sexual abuse or assault committed by Weinstein and how their silences were purchased, thus allowing Weinstein to continue his despicable acts towards women. What I think a lot of us tend to forget about the rise of the Me Too movement, as we know it today, is that it came at a time when girl boss-isms were quite popular. Which is to say, the image of empowered women holding positions of power more than ever before. As Cantor and Zuhi put it, quote, The number of jobs once held exclusively by men, police officer, soldier, airline pilot, had narrowed almost to a vanishing point. Women led nations like Germany and the United Kingdom and companies such as General Motors and PepsiCo. In one year, it was possible for a 30-something-year-old woman to make more money than all of her female ancestors had made in their combined lifetimes, end quote. Yet, regardless of whatever gains some women have had in terms of being in positions of power, sexual harassment remained rampant. And all too often, women were sexually harassed with impunity, regardless of the industry. Sexual harassment was against the law, yet it was somehow still routine in some jobs. And those who do speak up are dismissed or denigrated. Meanwhile, the perpetrators carried on. They were often accepted, sometimes cheered, and labeled as, quote, bad boys who were just doing the harassment because, well, boys will be boys. Severe consequences were rarely ever doled out. I mean, remember when an accused sexual harasser was elected into the highest office in America six years ago? And remember when an open misogynist became president of the Philippines six years ago? Good times, good times. But kidding aside, on October 5, 2017... Way, way back in the days, a New York Times article by Jody Cantor and Megan Tuhi titled Harvey Weinstein Paid Off Sexual Harassment Accusers for Decades became the ignition that sparked the fire of the Me Too movement as we know it today. To be clear, it wasn't the moment to point to in history that we can say changed the course of things. It's just one of many points that led us to where we are now, 
where we actually get to say, time's up. Journalism had helped inspire a paradigm shift, Cantor and Juhi write. Our work was only one driver of that change, which has been building for years, thanks to the efforts of pioneering feminists and legal scholars. Anita Hill, Sarana Burke, the activists who founded the Me Too movement, and many others, including our fellow journalists. In the book, she said, the women who broke the first news article about Harvey Weinstein described the motivations and wrenching, risky decisions of the first brave sources to break the silence surrounding Weinstein. The risk wasn't just on their part, because as we saw in Catch and Kill, Weinstein is not above hiring a network of spies to make sure anyone who tries to take him down and expose his monstrosity won't be successful. But on the sources as well, who not only were potentially breaking stipulations and non-disclosure agreements, but also going through their personal struggles. Of the title, Cantor and Tuyi had this to say. We intend the title, she said, as a complicated one. We write about those who did speak out, along with other women who chose not to, and the nuances of how and when and why. This is a book I highly recommend, not just to fellow feminists in progress, but also to journalists and or those aspiring to be one especially investigative journalists, because this book is about investigative journalism. How were Cantor and Tuhi and the editorial team at the New York Times able to break this story after failed attempts of other journalists in the past? In the book, Cantor and Tuhi explain how they have documented a pattern of behavior based on first-person accounts, financial and legal records, company memos, and other revealing materials. Just like Catch and Kill, she said it's not just about Harvey Weinstein and what he did. This is about how the legal system and corporate culture have served to silence victims and inhibit change. As the authors put it, businesses are co-opted into protecting predators. It is now 2022. And we're about five years apart from when the news stories broke in the New York Times and the New Yorker. Yet I'd argue that talking about the Weinstein story is still relevant, lest we forget to learn from history. This book recounts two astounding years in the life of women in the United States and beyond, Cantor and Tuhi write. That history belongs to all of us who lived it. Unlike some journalistic investigations that deal with locked away government or corporate secrets, this one is about experiences many of us recognize from our own lives, workplaces, families, and schools. But we wrote this book to bring you as close as we could to ground zero. So join me for a five-part miniseries on She Said breaking the sexual harassment story that helped ignite a movement here on a Feminist in Progress podcast.